0: Real Talk Real Muslims is a podcast by two young Muslims to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of life as a young Muslim today.
1: Welcome back to Real Talk Real Muslims. This is Rowan.
0: And this is Ren. So guys, this is our second episode recording on Zoom. And honestly, it's been kind of like a learning curve, but I think we're like getting used to it as much as we can. Um, But this episode we're really excited about. So honestly, like Zoom or not, it's worth it.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that I've definitely learned this Ramadan and this past couple of months is that like no matter how different life looks like right now, um, it kind of has to just like go on, you know? Mm -hmm. Like everything has been changed, yeah. But in as many ways as possible. Like everything is really different right now, but in as many ways as possible, we've been trying to like save quote unquote like different parts of our life. We're trying to find out how can we continue like our normal life. um, you know, online or at home or whatever, um, and I think that it's just like a good reminder that like for those of us that can, like mentally, physically, financially, like keep working on ourselves like during this time, especially because Ramadan. Um, I was attending this like lecture online webinar thing yesterday, and we were talking about how like Ramadan is kind of like a spiritual quarantine every year. You know, like we do oftentimes like stay at home, and you know, we use it a lot to reflect and. Yeah, Ramadan is kind of like our yearly quarantine. Like you stay more at home, you really think deeply about kind of everything. You analyze like your past year, your past years of life and think about it. So, I think it's just like a really great opportunity to reflect and to think about how, you know, how we can continue our life and how we can keep going and not let this be like an obstacle for us. Um and so yeah, keep working at your goals, keep working at everything that you have in front of you, which is why I think we're really excited about Today's episode and today's guest, because we are talking about just that and about so many aspects of life that are coming up, especially for many of us young Muslims on this podcast.
0: Yeah, so we're really excited about it, and I really like how you said that we need to keep going with life because, I mean, each day that we're not living or like just we're like okay, we're in quarantine, it sucks, whatever. We're losing that day, so honestly, we really do need to make the best out of it, and on like it's not going to be spectacular every day and it's going to be like really hard and you're going to feel like very unmotivated some days. But what really helps is just knowing that this is all temporary. It's going to go away. Um, it's like really motivating. So we're really excited for this episode. And we had Dr. Aisha Sundu, who is a diagnostic radiology resident physician and she's based in New Jersey. Um, she graduated from Cornell University with a Bachelor of Science degree and went to Rowan University um, School of Osteopathic Medicine for Medical School, which is really cool. And she's also passionate about medicine and enjoys sharing tips and resources to those going through the process of becoming a doctor. And in her free time, Aisha loves to create content for social media platforms, which include modest and tall fashion, travel guides, cooking and baking recipes, and home decor.
1: Yeah, so mashallah, like it sounds like, you know, just from her bio, like she is like the whole package mashallah and yeah. she really is. She's so sweet and she's just so talented at so many different things um, and had so much incredible like advice and wisdom to share with all of us and I, I always say this every episode, but we're always like, this was our favorite episode, but they just, we just, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode and it was one of my favorites as well um, mm-hmm. and I just really love learning from her and hearing about someone who has so many different aspects of life to share about is so cool because i think it's like a good reminder that you know even when you're especially when you're young i feel like one thing typically consumes you like school or life or pursuing a certain degree or getting to a certain job and you kind of tend to forget that there are a lot of other aspects out there in life and talking to aisha today was really cool um, just to kind of see like you know there's so many different parts of life and you can be really good at like your job or at school or at like getting after one thing. And you can also have so many other talents and things that you pursue on the side that make you who you are and who make us people. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the episode. Thank you so much, um, Aisha, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. and We're excited to have you with us. Um, So we wanted to just start off and kind of jump right into it. And we know that you work as a doctor in the medical field, and we wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the current COVID situation in America. What has going to work like been for you? What do you think about states reopening and about kind of people's behavior surrounding it? Um, we just kind of wanted to see what you generally think about what's going on right now.
2: Sure, thank you guys so much for having me. Firstly, I'm super excited to be chatting with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy how quickly things changed. Um, I actually had a vacation week um, from residency. So, my husband and I had a trip planned. We were supposed to fly out to Oman in mid March. I think we were supposed to fly out like March 14th, which was a Saturday. And, you know, that's like when the pandemic was starting, and there was a lot of uncertainty surrounding everything. And the week leading up to our trip, we were just like watching the news every single day looking at the CDC guidelines, like, looking at all the travel restrictions and everything, and we were still planning to go, and then that Thursday, like, two days before our trip is when things started to get, like, kind of really bad, so we decided to cancel, and then um, Saturday came around, and we were like, oh, we should have been at the airport right now, like, we would be boarding right now, and then Saturday night is when the US like announced all these travel restrictions and like airports started shutting down around the world. So we were really thankful that we didn't end up going, um, getting stranded like on the other side of the world. But it's, it's kind of surreal, um, like living through a pandemic and working at a hospital and seeing like day to day what is happening. Um, like at the beginning of it, you know, we just had like tons and tons of patients coming in with cough and fever and shortness of breath. And I was on like one of our x-ray rotations um, at that time. And so I was just seeing like hundreds of x-rays of COVID and not much of anything else. And it was like, we were just being overwhelmed. And you know, I think things are starting to get better now, alhamdulillah. like things are slowing down. Um, we still are seeing a lot of COVID, but not as much as we were maybe a month and a half, two months ago. Um, but it's kind of scary that states are thinking about reopening. I feel like it's too soon. And I'm worried that if people go back to, you know, back to quote unquote normal, that things might just get bad again.
1: Yeah, we actually, so we live in South Carolina, so we're in one of the states that has been one of the first to start reopening, and they are reopening, um, like, outdoor dining and restaurants, and a lot of, like, non-essential businesses have started reopening um, in South Carolina, and people here, like, do not take it seriously, like, for the most part, like, are not taking it seriously at all, so it's, like, weird living in one of the states that's not taking it seriously, and then seeing, like, the other states that are, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's just crazy, yeah, like, I think it is too early, and, like, it's just really weird to see like people's attitudes towards it and how people aren't really like fighting a common enemy. I feel like there's this idea that like, oh, like we're all fighting one pandemic, one disease, but really it's become like a very like partisan issue, I feel like. And you know, there's like a lot of debate about, you know, going out and not going out and like how serious it is. And I've seen a lot of people say that like, oh, it's like fake and stuff like that. So
2: yeah. Oh my God. Those comments just me so much. I'm like, if you think it's fake, you're, I, you know, I welcome you to come to the hospital, and I'll, you know, take you to the COVID unit to prove to you that it's not fake. But I mean, it's funny that you say that in South Carolina, people aren't taking it seriously, and I'm not sure how many cases you guys had there. But even in New York City, like, probably the worst hit city in the U.S., just this past weekend, it was like 80 degrees, and people in Manhattan. We're out and about, not wearing masks, not social distancing. And it's just like, you guys saw it firsthand, everything that has happened. And it's it's pretty sad that, like you said, people aren't in the mentality that we're fighting this common enemy. It's very much like, oh, if I'm young and healthy, then I don't have anything to worry about.
0: And it's like, they're so ready to just get back to their normal lives. Because like Rowan was saying, we like open back up. and. The, like the mall opened this weekend and there was like a really long line for everyone to go to the mall and it was like one of the stores and they were checking people's fevers and I saw like this thing that said um so they checked their fevers and two people had a fever that were standing in that line and half of them didn't even have masks, up, masks on or anything and I was like yeah like this is why we're not supposed to be going to the mall right now yeah we have like an f in social distancing so it's not well like even the big- road here it's been busy like the whole time like this club there were like people there um they weren't social distancing they weren't wearing masks and the parking lot was full like you couldn't park anywhere
2: my goodness yeah and I feel like as the weather starts to get nicer it's just gonna get harder for people to stay inside and abide by social distancing guidelines
0: but we also wanted to ask you like since you're uh, we were talking about like it's really hard for people to stay inside during this time, especially since the weather is getting nicer. What advice do you have for people to like encourage them, I guess, to stay inside or what could they be doing inside to make it easier, I guess?
2: I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with going out and enjoying the weather, but I think we should still be taking necessary precautions. So wearing masks and staying at least six feet away from people that we don't live with um i was driving home from work a couple of weeks ago and i take all local roads and it's about like a 15 minute drive and it was like a random beautiful day it was like 75 degrees and there were so many people outside that i started counting how many people were out just like walking and biking and running and stuff and i counted 200 something people and only 14 were wearing masks and I was just like come on guys you know better than this and it's yeah so my recommendations would be to still you know wear masks even if you don't have like a surgical mask you can wear a scarf or a bandana or anything to just cover your face and try to stay you know at least six feet away from people um practice good hygiene wash your hands disinfect things that you bring into your home Things that people have been doing for the past couple of months, I would urge them to continue doing that um, for at least the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, I think it can be um, challenging for people too to kind of like keep up the same level of like meticulousness. You know, like at first everyone was like, oh, I'm wipe everything down, like wear my mask. And now I feel like people are starting to like get like lazier, I guess, with everything and they're not really keeping it up as much. So I think it gets harder and harder for people to keep it up, especially just because. Even like going to the store is like so much effort now. Like, people for me like I dread going to the store because I'm like, oh my god, like I have to do all this stuff and like come home and then like disinfect everything and like change my clothes and it's you know it, it's a lot.
0: It's a process now. <laughs> I don't even think it's like getting lazy. I think people are just like getting used to it. Like it's just you know, like it's happening, and like it's been happening for a while. And like I guess if it hasn't affected them personally, so maybe I guess they go into the mindset like why would it start now or something like that I don't know that's like what I was thinking but.
1: um what are your predictions for kind of how the rest of the year is going to look like and you know what our new normal is going to be I know it's kind of difficult because everything changes so quickly um and I know I just like read something this morning that was talking about how um there are predictions that you know the n- number of cases new cases is going to like double um you know there's going to be like double and yeah so each day um and then there's going to be like up to 3,000 deaths a day um by like June yeah so it's like been going up an insane amount so what are your kind of predictions for what our new normal life is going to look like
2: honestly it's so it's so hard to say and I know a lot of people have been using this phrase like new normal um I personally am not a fan of it because I just feel like like nothing about this situation is normal, right? Like nothing about our daily routine of millions of people staying home and not working is normal. So um, I think it's really hard to say where everything is gonna go. Um, If people continue to practice social distancing, if they continue to um, be hygienic and stay home and all those things, perhaps it'll get better sooner. Um, but, from what we've seen in in our own cities and our own communities, people are not doing that, so unfortunately, I think it might get worse once things start to open up and then we might have to go back into like strict you know social distancing not going out, businesses closing again. um I really hope it doesn't come to that. I hope we can all kind of ease back into it safely so that it is. You know safe for businesses to open and people to go out again but it's just so hard to say um based on like how different people are going to react and how serious people are taking it
1: yeah for sure it's very unpredictable
2: yeah but i would definitely say even if like businesses start to open and flights start to pick back up like i personally am not going to be traveling internationally anytime soon um, there's no knowing, like, what could happen, and the last thing that I'd want is to be stranded somewhere away from home, so.
0: Yeah, I think for us, it's, like, we would like to go back to school um, yeah. during the fall, but, you know, I was telling to one, like, it'll be my first year in college, I was, like, I'll be taking a freshman seminar, and that's all, because I don't know, I don't want to take like hard classes sitting at home. No,
2: I'm good. Yeah, that's so interesting. Like, you know, I had a very traditional college experience and it's Mm -hmm. so interesting seeing people switching to like online classes and, you know, my brother's in grad school and, and that his spring semester got switched to online classes and my yeah. mother-in-law is a teacher and you know she's always telling me like she has these second graders who are at home like on their laptops they're all in like a zoom class and mm-hmm. it's it must be so strange for anyone in like an academic setting and I can't even yeah. imagine what that must be like
1: yeah it, it's like what? so weird and you, you would know this because you um were you know you you went to medical school and you did like all the pre-med stuff and undergrad too but like even doing labs like already, like labs are like pretty difficult, like in front like when you're standing there, like anatomy yeah. labs and chem labs and stuff. And this semester I was in um anatomy and physiology and like our lab went online and it was so How weird. is that even possible? <laughs> it was so <laughs> weird. Like my professor, like he took pictures. We were learning um like blood vessels and so he like took pictures and it was like on a cat, so they're so tiny. And yeah. so we had to like look at pictures and then he would like put up pictures and ask us questions and point arrows at things so and then he would like do like video instructions at the beginning and he would like have a cat and he'd be like okay like this is like this vessel and like blah blah, blah. so it i mean it was oh so goodness. weird like it was like hard enough in class and then like doing it yeah like online <laughs> was so weird like it um, was props to you guys <laughs> i could never it was just yeah it was crazy but i mean it was like it was like a weird learning experience i guess it was like
0: cool to kind of
1: see how like much of our learning and how much of our life can go online but it was weird
0: thankfully we're done with it though so yeah it's
1: over (laughs) for now
0: that's good yeah for now hopefully like for now and then we go back like I feel like I just need to go back just experience it a little bit and then we'll see what goes from there yeah um we also wanted to ask you like why did you decide to go to medical school and what was your experience like
2: So uh, I grew up in a family of physicians. Um, My grandmother is a doctor, my dad's a doctor, my older sister is a doctor. So medicine was like always just like part of our household and something that I was um, introduced to at a very young age. But it wasn't until like late in high school that I decided that I wanted to pursue medicine. Um, I had done like some hospital volunteer work in middle school and high school. And it was fine. Nothing really piqued my interest too much. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I had an opportunity to shadow a radiologist and that was the first time that I was really like amazed by medicine. And I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe this is something that I want to do. So went to undergrad, majored in biological sciences and did a concentration in nutrition and then decided to apply to med school. And yeah, I only was ever really interested in radiology. So in medical school, we had to do rotations and all these different specialties. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I'll go in with an open mind. Maybe there's something that I like better, Um, but there wasn't. So I decided to go into radiology and yeah, it's been great. I have had no regrets.
0: That's really cool. I think, like, both Rowan and I are deciding to go into, like, the medical field, so it's interesting to, like, hear about other people's stories and how they got interested in it, too. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and there are so many different, like, medical professions Mm -hmm. um, that I really didn't know about when I was applying, Um, so, you know, to the people who are interested in medicine, I would definitely encourage them to look at all of the different medical professions
1: yeah i think that's super helpful too for like people that listen to our podcast too a lot of them are um in like the college like high school phase um kind of like at the cusp of like choosing their career so i think it's always helpful to hear about like other people and like how they chose their careers, especially because i feel like in my experience like in the muslim community there's like two types of people like there's a type of people that are like yes like go be a doctor like you know do like the typical thing and then there's the people that like criticize people that choose to go into medicine because they're like oh you're just doing like what everyone wants you to do so it's like you're never you're never gonna win and I just think it's really useful to always hear from someone who has done it about like why they genuinely love the field and why they want to go into it because there's criticism from both sides but ultimately you're gonna do what you feel best doing
2: exactly and at the end of the day it's your life so you know, medical school is not like a short, easy thing. It's mm-hmm. years and years of effort, and you don't want to have to go through all of that hard work just for someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't do it for yourself because you truly enjoy it and you truly want it for yourself, you're going to be miserable. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I. Anytime someone asks me, like, "Oh, should I go go to medical school?" I, you know, I advise them think about what you want in your life and what kind of lifestyle you want and how you want to spend your quote unquote, prime years of your twenties, if you want to spend them in school or if you'd rather be working or doing something else.
1: Yeah, and I think there's like, just like a big concern in general, um, especially among like young girls, like people be like, oh, like don't go into me- the medical field because um, you know, like you're not gonna have time for like a family, you're not gonna have time for all these other things. So I guess, like, what advice would you give to someone who may be hearing that um, or to someone who's just, like, worried about, like, balancing, like, being or, like, getting married while pursuing a degree and, like, having a life and having a job that's, like, really intense and being in, like, an intense grad program, too. So what advice would you give to someone in that situation?
2: Yeah, I think that's something that I was worried about as well. Um, but at the end of the day, like, it's been done before. Like, this isn't something that no one has done before. Like millions of women have, have gone to medical school and had careers and had successful family lives. Um, I think the most important thing is just talking to your partner and, you know, figuring out what you both need to do to run the household, but also, you know, fulfill your work responsibilities. Um, So, you know, my husband and I, we split all the household chores. Um, He does the laundry I do the cooking and the dishes and that kind of stuff and it works for us. So, excuse me, I think the most important thing is just working out a system that works for you um, to be able to manage all that you have to get done and having a supportive partner definitely makes all the difference.
0: I like how you said, um, you know, like that's also something that you were thinking about because I always think about that, but I'm not sure if like people that have already done it like think about it too, or is it a sign that maybe you should like choose another career or do something like that? Or, you know, so
2: no, I, I mean, I definitely thought about it a lot and I know mm-hmm. my sister did as well. And I asked for her advice when I was going through it and it was very helpful. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, it's natural to kind of think about these things and, um, worry in a sense about how you're going to manage all of these responsibilities Um, but it definitely is possible.
0: Okay now we want to switch a little bit like switch gears into talking about fashion blogging and how you got into it.
2: It's actually funny so in high school I my high school I don't know if other high schools are like this but we had this clothing and textiles course. Um, Basically we spent the year like designing and creating our own fashion line like sewing dresses and shirts and whatever we wanted and then at the end of the year we would put on a fashion show and so I did that like all four years of high school and I just absolutely loved it it was like an absolute blast and that kind of really like opened the door for me into fashion Um, and then when I went to college you know I feel like people just experiment with their personal style once they grow up and go off to college and become, like, an independent person, Um, and then at that time, I started Instagram and was, like, posting my outfits just for fun, like, my page was private, just did it for fun, Um, like, my friends and family would follow me, and that's pretty much it, and then in med school, somehow, one of my pictures got reposted to, like, a modest fashion page, and then I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, and so I made my page public at that point and then kind of started creating more um, modest fashion content and tall fashion content as well and um, I just have been doing it ever since and it's a lot of fun for me it's like a nice break from medicine stuff to be able to create and experiment and I just really enjoy doing it so I've been doing it ever since
0: that's really cool. I, I really like your style and I love like the outfits that you put on Instagram. So thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so cool to see how you like have different interests and like it's something that's totally like not related to like being a doctor, um, but it's just kind of like an, a creative outlet for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, And especially today, I think it's like so important to have like that representation, um, you know, like with like modest fashion and there's a lot of companies I think that are starting to like catch on, um, and like increase mm-hmm. the representation, but I think there's like so much work to be done. So it's really awesome that you guys are like out there, like representing us and like, you know, helping kind of get it out there that like you can dress modestly and you can wear the hijab and also be fashionable, you know, cause that's like a big misconception that people have. Yeah,
2: definitely. And I think it, it takes, it takes a lot of, well, personally, it took a lot of time for me to get there. Um, Growing up, I was the only Muslim in my school district, apart mm-hmm. from my younger brother. So, um, and I started wearing hijab in middle school. So I always felt very shy and like kind of uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. didn't really embrace my hijab until like the middle of high school, um, and started to really feel comfortable in it and develop my identity with it. And <clears throat> I feel like once you st- you become comfortable in who you are and own who you are and are unapologetic about it, that's when you like truly blossom and you can develop this like creative personal outlet and, you know, find your sense of style and um, just basically just be comfortable in being a hijabi and being able to experiment with what kind of clothes make you feel comfortable and what, you know, what kind of style is right for you.
1: That's awesome. I love that. And, you know, I love talking like how you talk about being like unapologetic about it, you know, and not just kind of like feeling like you have to take up less space or like you have to be kind of like, you know, put into like a corner and just kind of like being you and not really like caring what other people think. Um, Like we've talked, yeah, Miranda and I have talked about this in like a previous episode when we talked about like hijab and like confidence. And for me, like I feel like one of the biggest things that hijab has taught me is like kind of how to like not care what people think about me um you know because like you just like naturally develop that when you work a job because like you're going to be around people that like don't get it or that like, criticize you or that like, say like rude things but it just kind of pushes you to not really care what people think and can do your own thing um which I feel like helps propel people to have their own sense of fashion or sense of whatever because you just like develop that attitude
2: yeah absolutely
1: um do you have any like go-to outfits or stores or sites to shop at
2: uh, I do actually so one of So there's um, a few stores that I shop at routinely. Um, My favorite like modest brand I'd have to say is Veiled Collection. They started a few years ago, I think like 2016. um, And they've really just, I think, overtaken the market. They make a lot of modest dresses and tops and pants and just like anything that anyone who wants to dress modestly would need. Um, they also have a bunch of hijabs and stuff so they're my go-to for anything that I want and then um, in terms of like additional modest pieces or things that I can make more modest friendly or tall friendly um, I also really love ASOS and Zara I think everyone loves Zara (laughs) and Mm -hmm. Boohoo as well
0: yeah I like Zara and ASOS too ASOS too but or however however you pronounce it, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to check out Field Collection because I'm looking for like modest dresses and I've been looking everywhere and like either everything's like, you know, like you're almost there to where it's a long dress, but then they stop in the middle. They stop, stop." yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a long dress and like you wouldn't have to wear anything under it. It's like so disappointing and I'm like, I'm short so I was like, maybe I could pull it off, but then it comes and it's like really still really short. And I was like, Still too short, yeah. I
2: think cool. that's what Veil Collection really wanted to tackle. Like all of their dresses are long sleeve, mm-hmm. they're full maxi length, they're all lined. So even if it's a white dress, it's like completely lined. So you don't have to wear anything underneath it. And it mm-hmm. just makes it's like it just makes sense for hijabis and like anyone who wants to dress modestly.
1: And I think it's also so cool to see how like modest fashion has like evolved and like how much is available now yeah I think you especially would have seen this too because um because you are older than us but you like a long time ago like there was like no like there wasn't fashion like that wasn't a thing yeah yeah like when I first started I started wearing hijab like 10 years ago yeah 10 years ago and there was like nothing like when I first started like I remember the first day I wore hijab like my mom and I we were going somewhere and I literally didn't have anything that was like hijab like appropriate like I didn't have anything I just, like, was not prepared, um, and my mom and I, like, went yeah. to Walmart, and we bought, like, a long sleeve shirt, because I just, like, couldn't have anything, we, like, didn't have time to go shopping, and there was, like, nothing, like, no, there were no here. hijabs, and, like, everyone, like, used to wait until they would, like, go, like, overseas, or, like, someone, one like, their friends would go overseas to, like, a Muslim country to buy them hijabs, like, you couldn't order them online, so mm-hmm. it's just really cool to see how it's evolved, and how fashion bloggers, and, like, you guys have been, like, at the center of you know helping these brands kind of get attention and traction.
2: Yeah. And it's it's so great now that everything is so readily available for, you know, women and girls who are thinking about wearing the hijab now. It's not a barrier like they don't have to think about oh where can I get something? Where can I find um hijabi friendly clothing or even the hijabs themselves? Like everything is available now and I think that's just so great, Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it is. Actually, like, like,
0: like when I wore hijab I like when I couldn't find things that were like cute, um, to wear with hijab and stuff like that, it was very like, um, discouraging and like, mm-hmm. um, it was like r- really disappointing. And then you kind of fall into, or for me, at least I fell into like this trap, like, okay, if I'm wearing hijab, I don't have to look cute. Like I can just wear whatever I want. And honestly, like you start looking older than your age and like not fashionable and things like that. And I thought that was like when you wear hijab, that's how you're supposed to start um looking. And so I'm glad that there are brands like that now because like now younger girl girls or like an One sister or something like that, it's easier for them because um like there are places like that. But here it was like, yeah, like Rowan One said like go to Walmart or something. Yeah. Like that. And it's not even s- that suitable for hijabis anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yep. it's not like really cute and it'll, it'll just like make you older and like I don't know.
2: Yeah, it makes the transition to hijabi a lot easier for sure. Okay, so
0: this question, like Rowan and I have talked about it multiple times and like we've heard it a lot in our community, Um, but one of the biggest like things that come up when you're looking for someone to get married, especially like um, when young people are getting married is the issues of like cultural differences. Um, So like some members of the community are like extremely like on this topic of like, you know, if you're from this culture, you should marry from this culture, like not marrying outside of the culture. Um, so could you share a little bit more about your experience with intercultural marriage and like how that um, like happened, I guess?
2: Sure. Um, so I'm Pakistani, and my husband is half Palestinian, half Jordanian. So we met in undergrad. Um, we met at like an MSA event, and Uh, we didn't, I don't even think we spoke at that event, but then later on, like a couple months later, our paths crossed again and we started talking and, um, like our personalities just really jived well together and we had the same values and the same outlook on life. And, um, after a couple of months, we were like, you know, maybe this is something that we want to pursue towards marriage. And so after I think it was like we met at the end of August and then um Thanksgiving break, we were like, okay, when we go home, let's tell our moms that, you know, we found someone that we're interested in and let's see where it goes. So we ended up telling our moms and um they were both kind of taken aback about the culture and um we were like, you know, yeah, we're different, we're of different backgrounds, but our outlook on life and our religious values are exactly the same and our families are you know very similar as well so um, we spoke to our parents and we were like you know just like let's just meet like let's get the families together and if it doesn't go well then it doesn't go well and if it goes well then it goes well so our families got together and alhamdulillah, things were great um, and you know, the rest is history and we ended up getting married and um, that's been really awesome. But I've gotten a lot of questions from um, people that I know and also like strangers on Instagram DMing me about, um, you know, intercultural marriages and their parents not really being okay with it and what they can do. And I think it is still a big issue in our communities, um, like here in the U.S., and hopefully that'll change with the next few generations since you know a lot of our parents are immigrants and came from their own countries and always had it in their mindset that you know their children would marry someone of their own culture as well but our generations and the next few generations who are going to grow up here um, are going to be seeing more and more intercultural marriages so hopefully that'll start to become the norm as well and there won't be such a big stigma around it or, you know, a lot of pushback. Um, but I think the biggest thing to remember at the end of the day is that culture and religion are different. Um, you know, in our religion, in Islam, it is absolutely okay and not looked down upon to marry someone outside of your culture. Um, we are taught by the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that if you meet someone with good being and good character and you like them, that you should you know, marry them. And it's as simple as that. And I think to the, the young people who are looking to get married and maybe want to get married to someone outside of their culture, to be respectful to your parents, of course, as always, but gently remind them of this as well, that culture and being are two separate things.
0: I think that's really good advice and um, like Rowan and I always talk about it because we see it in our community a lot um, where like my I guess thing about it is you know like we're all in the same community we're very close in the same community but thinking that like if like a you know two kids came together and they wanted to get married then that would all go out the door but then their cultural differences would stay there and I don't know it's just like mind-blowing to me that that's like a thing you know because I know like if you say like I'm from Palestine slash Jordan um and like I know if you go back and you know if you tell like some of I guess like our family members or whatever like they're really like you know, no you need to marry someone from your same like culture and they understand you it's like do you expect us to go back to like Jordan or Palestine yeah then (laughs) we also have a third culture you know so it's like yeah what is it because I guess like especially since um we are being raised here, it's, like, now we have a third culture that we have in common with that person anyway, despite what their other cultures are, but we don't have that in common with, like, if we go back to get married in, like, you know, Pakistan or Egypt or, like, Jordan, you know? Right, that's a really good
1: point, yeah. And it's, it's, like, yeah, it's very disappointing to see, but I think that also having people that are willing to, like, share their experience and be, like, you know what, like, (laughs) we got married and, like, it did not, Like you know, like it's great. Like you know, it's going well, and the world didn't end as most people think. You know, and you get
2: to share in another culture and learn about another culture, and it's yeah, it's a really beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it really is. What have you learned? um, What have you learned about like I guess Arab culture, like Palestinian, Jordanian culture?
2: Um, that we're more similar than we are different, for sure. Um, A lot of our food is very similar as well. Obviously, the language is different, but Apart from that, like I mean, it helps that we also like are on that like our outlook in life is the same. So I think that makes a big difference as well. Um but, yeah, culturally, like it's it's just been so nice learning about another culture in very in like a very intimate way, um like going over to his parents' house and You know, helping his mom cook and like learning her recipes and that kind of stuff. And then bringing that back to our place and like also cooking Desi food. And it's just, I don't know, it's super nice. I really enjoy it.
1: Um, And yeah, thank you so much for sharing with us. Like it's really, um, you know, heartwarming to hear like such a good, positive story. I'm really glad it worked out for you guys. And you kind of talked about how you guys like did meet in college. And I feel like a lot of college and maybe even grad students. Um, start to think more seriously about getting married, like especially like in their early, like mid or late 20s. Um, Do you have any like general advice on like getting to know someone and kind of like, you know, dealing with, I guess, like maybe pressure from the community to like get married at a certain age or to marry a specific person? Um, Generally, what advice would you give to someone who may be thinking more about getting married or getting to know someone?
2: Yeah, so the first thing is whatever pressure you're getting from the community and from like the aunties and uncles, just push that to the side like that. Don't even worry about that. Don't even think about that. Don't give it a second thought because at the end of the day, this is your life and you're going to be living it for yourself, not for some auntie in the mosque that's gonna be talking about your life to whoever. So (laughs) um, just focus on you and I Think about what you want in a partner, right? So, what kind of qualities do you want in your spouse, and um, what kinds of things are you bringing to the table as well? And what, um, like, how those personalities are going to mesh together? And I think if you're interested in someone and you're both like interested in pursuing marriage, to have like deep life discussions about what you want in life and what your outlook in life is, and um, what your five, 10, 15, 20 year old or 20 year life plan is um, to see if down the line you guys are you know, thinking the same way because it's so easy to get caught up in emotions when you're young and like think about the here and the now and like the next year, or the next two years, and that's it. And then if, if you don't think about it in kind of like a long-term perspective, things can start to go haywire so. Really, like if you want to get married young, um, make sure you know you have like that kind of maturity and that kind of understanding that marriage is not something to be taken lightly. It's, you know, it's a very serious thing, it's a big blessing, of course, um, and it's not something that you should, like walk into or rush into without giving a second thought. I think one of the things in our cultures and our communities is like we grow up and we're like, oh, we're told like oh, don't talk to the opposite gender, like, Mm -hmm. you know, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And then when you're like 22, 23, it's like, oh, why aren't you married yet? Well, (laughs) because like, you told me not to talk to anyone and there have always been these limitations. But I think, we, you know, we need to do it in like a safe way and like, you know, have our kids grow up to be normal and be able to have conversations with people of the opposite gender and, you know. Yeah,
0: also that's another like, problem in our community, because, like, we grew up with a bunch of people, but, like, we don't know any of them, because, um, yeah. like, even, like, in Sunday school classes, like, it's normal, like, you talk to people, but, like, at the masjid, um, like, if you look the other way, someone's going to talk about you, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a very strict, I guess, community in some ways, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important, too, to, like, um, like, it's, you know, to not kind of, like, put up that wall, like, in the Muslim community, because people can tend to be kind of hypocritical, because, like, if it's, like, someone in your class who's, like, a non-Muslim, who doesn't even know about the boundaries of, like, Islam, or even, like, a culture um, between, like, like, men and women, you know, it's totally fine if they're, like, talking to you or, like, whatever, like, people don't care about that, like, in, like, a friend sense, but then, like, mm-hmm. even, like, at the masjid, like, those, like, normal, like, interactions, it's, like, no, like, don't talk to that person, you know? Yeah so and that person is Muslim and understands like the boundaries so the boundaries it's like right yeah it's like a very weird I think like precedent that we've set and I hope one that we mm-hmm. can change um instead of like encouraging almost encouraging like young people to like talk to the non-Muslims in their class um yeah that's just like friends again and like you know it's like fine talk to them but not to the Muslim people who understand like right. what you know line needs to be drawn is like really weird to me
2: yeah and that's like we can look back on that now that we've passed it and reflect on it and be like, oh, that's such a strange thing that, you know, like that our communities do. But for kids growing up in it, it's, it's just so confusing to them and they don't have like proper guidance or understanding of what they should actually be doing.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's been so helpful to hear your perspective too, because I don't have an older sister, um, so i have an older brother, and, like, my one thing in life that I, like, always wanted that I could never have is an older sister. That was, like, my thing. I was, like, why is my brother a girl? Like, it's so frustrating to me. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just, like, so helpful to have, like, heard your perspective on, like, everything, because um, it's kind of, like, that older sister, like, younger sister kind of, like,
2: I got um, you, girl.
1: <laughs> um, kind of, like, relationship there, and I think it's been super helpful to hear it from someone, especially who has kind of, like, gone through it all and, has grown up in America and seen it because I feel like it's so rare now to hear it from someone who's gone through it you know you just hear it from someone who might be going through it right now and you know someone who might not have like the wisdom of like oh yeah like I went through that and this is what happened. is my advice so thank you so much for like sharing everything with us um, of course and being so open and willing to talk about it it's been really valuable for me
2: no yeah. absolutely and like you know my case is not unique there are hundreds if not thousands of other women in the U.S. who, like, are going through something similar and, you know, are looking for advice or are looking for someone who's gone through it before to share their experience. And if I can help anyone or just provide a little bit of clarity, then I'm obviously very happy to help and I'm very, you know, willing to talk to anyone. Really appreciate it. Like, Rowan, I learned a lot from you because I also have a younger brother and, like, I don't know what
0: you learned from them, but <laughs> it, was really, it was really nice thank you so much that's
1: um you know that's all we had to talk to you about today um we really appreciate it we can also talk to you forever but we know you have other commitments um but thank you so much for joining us and for sharing again we really appreciate it um and we know that everyone listening really is going to enjoy this episode as well
2: thank you guys so much for having me this is a ton of fun
0: so honestly i think i benefited a lot from this episode because like we said at the beginning um Aisha, like she talks about multiple things, and like it's, I guess, like you see the full picture. Obviously, you're not seeing every aspect of someone's life, but it's like hitting on every um, different part of life that we go through, which is really cool. Um, and I feel like I benefited from this episode because we talked about things that I'm interested about or things that I want to learn about too. So I really liked how she was very comfortable talking to us about um, the questions that we had. So Yeah, I think one of my favorite things that
1: she talked about was like being unapologetic and how like once she started becoming like an unapologetic Muslim Mm -hmm. and unapologetic like hijabi, then that was when she really started to like feel comfortable and she was able to like share her talent um, and her like knack for fashion and for like lifestyle tips with the world. And I think that was just like something I really took away was like recognizing that at the end of the day, there's always going to be someone who has something to say about you. There's always going to be someone who is going to criticize like how you live or how you dress or how you eat or how you talk. And there's always going to be those people in life. But I feel like your life begins when you stop caring what people think about you. Obviously, you take into account people's emotions and the people that you actually value, like you take into account their emotions too. But once you start really being confident in yourself and doing what makes you happy and what you know is right and what you know follows your beliefs and your values, then I think that's when you really start to develop yourself as a personality and like live your best life, you know, as cliche as that sounds. But I think that's like one thing I really took away from her.
0: Because like multiple times when we asked her about something, um, she would be like, when we asked her about it was like the interracial marriage, she was like, well, first you need to put aside what people think. And it was also about like going to medical school and we asked her about like um, you know like when what how do people react like that? You say you're going to medical school and instead of um I guess like your prime year is putting them towards like building a family or something like that, you're going to medical school. Like how did you handle that? And again, she said the same thing and she was like, you just need to ignore those people. And I think that's also like, yeah, that's really important. And I think we talked about this in another episode. It's like really hard to like not take into account what people say about you. But it's something that you need to like just practice and work on, I guess. And yeah. I feel like maybe as you get older and you get more passionate about what you want and like, you know, like medical school is a big decision. If that's really what you want to do, I don't think um, like if you're really, really passionate about it, what people are, are going to say won't be that important. You know, like yeah. maybe it hurt your wounds or something, but then I feel like you'll be able to get over it because it's something that you really want to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think like ultimately, like for me, like the broad message that I took away was like, no matter like what stands in your way, like whether it be people, whether it be a global pandemic and being stuck at home, like if you want something and that's what how you want your life to go, then like you need to go and like chase after it and do what you feel is right. And you chasing after those things is going to be like what gets them to you, you know? So I think as young people, we are faced with so many voices from around us like your parents your friends the media your professors or teachers or whatever um like a million and one people telling you what you should be like especially because I feel like everyone wants to like not in this is going to sound weird but I I guess for lack of a better word, take advantage of you um, in the sense that like you're young and like they know you have energy and like you have cool ideas and you have a lot to offer. So a lot of people like want you on their team, quote unquote. So a lot of people kind of want to take advantage of you at this age and you have to kind of learn to take into account the opinions that matter and do the things that you want and be able to block out like so many voices. Because I think especially at a young age, that's when you're going to hear the most voices around you and the most um and the greatest number of people trying to influence you um so I really liked how she was like unapologetic about what she wanted whether it be in her career or in her personal life or you know about uh, a side hustle that she really enjoys doing Um, and it really like inspired me to kind of like do the same and take that into consideration for me in the next few years as well
0: and I also like how um she was very open about talking about like her marriage and, like, even if you're not at that age to get married or like you're not looking to get married right now, I think hearing about someone else's experience and like maybe you're interested in, you know, marrying outside of your culture, like, how is that? Because, I mean, I don't know like about you guys, but, you know, I've heard it a lot in my personal life, even though like I'm not close to getting married or anything like that. But a lot of people have opinions about who you should be with or what you should do and stuff like that. So, I guess it really like like you said there was like a common theme in the whole thing like if you really want something you just have to chase after it and like just ignore everyone else
1: yeah do what makes you after. happy
0: yeah but, like that's so weird like you don't want to look back at your life and be like oh I didn't do this because this person said you know it wouldn't be good for me I didn't do this and this and this but then you didn't have any control over your life and then you're gonna die and then that's it like you yeah know, exactly
1: we really enjoyed doing this episode with Aisha and talking to her and we hope that you guys enjoyed it as well. So before we sign off, just a reminder to check out her blog at aishasindu.com, and we will link everything in the description of this episode. Also make sure to check out her awesome Instagram page, Dr. Aisha Sindu, as well as her YouTube channel. So she shares a lot of great tips about fashion, lifestyle, and medicine and I really personally enjoyed following her and I think you guys will really benefit so we'll include all the links in the description below also remember to follow us on instagram at real talk real muslims share this episode with your friends and family and with anyone who needs a little reminder about getting after their goals and doing what they want and give us any feedback about this episode or our other episodes by messaging us on instagram or emailing us at real real muslims at gmail.com and make sure to leave us a review on apple
2: podcasts
0: that's real talk real muslims for you bye from zoom